Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 52 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 31st of October 2010, entitled God the Holy Spirit Part 14, and the Bible readings are taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 to 11 and Romans chapter 12 verses 1 to 8. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you'd like to open your Bible to two passages this morning, We've been looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in Romans chapter 12. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's holy word, beginning first of all in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away into those dumb idols, even as you were led, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. In Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man in the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Father, we thank you again this morning for the glorious privilege that we have. Lord, to be called your children, to be able to approach your throne in prayer through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful opportunity that we have to gather together in your house, this place, Lord, that has been set aside and dedicated, Lord, uh, for your service and for your worship. Father, we pray now that as we meet together, Lord, as we uh, come around your word, we thank you for that word that you've preserved and given to us. 
We thank you for your Holy Spirit that we've just read about, Lord, that lives and dwells within us. We pray, Lord, that it was he that would work through us today, that Lord would anoint, that would, uh, would inspire the words that are spoken, that every word that comes forth, Lord, would be the words that you would have spoken, and Lord, that every heart's need would be met. You know the needs of each individual, those that are lost that need to be saved, the backslider that needs to be restored, the Christian that needs to be encouraged, and the Christian that needs to be challenged afresh. Father, we pray that you would work in each individual as only you can, and for your glory in Christ's name, amen and amen. Well, as we continue today in our study, sermon number 52 in our series on contending for the faith, and as we have moved into the fundamentals of that faith that we need to be contending for, we're now looking at the Holy Spirit. We're on part 14 of the Holy Spirit, and we particularly these past couple of weeks have been looking at the gifts of the Spirit. And of course, in looking at the gifts of the Spirit, first of all, we define just what those gifts were. And of course, we have looked at the fact that what we are talking about is spiritual gifts. They are gifts that are not something that uh, we can possibly do or control ourselves, but they come from the Holy Spirit Himself. They are spiritual enablements that are beyond our own abilities. And then we began looking at the distribution of those gifts. We said, first of all, that all spiritual gifts are distributed by God Himself, God the Holy Spirit, to be specific. And of course, as we looked at that distribution, we said that uh, not only is it distributed by God the Holy Spirit, but it's also distributed according to grace that is given. These gifts are not given to us because of our merit, because of what we can already do, because of what we deserve, but it is something that is sovereignly controlled by God Himself. And of course, as we, uh, as we looked at that, then we move forward into the third aspect of that distribution, and that is that distribution is for the good of the body. It's God the Holy Spirit that does the giving. He's the only one that can distribute these gifts. And he gives them according to God's grace. But when he gives them to us, they're not for our personal use and benefit. And it's amazing. You know, God always does this because, you know, we don't give so that we can get because we've lost the blessing already if that's our motive behind it. But it's only when we give that we do receive abundantly from God in measure that is far beyond anything that we're able to do. So I'm not saying that your spiritual gifts won't do great things in your life, but your spiritual gifts are not to be used for selfish reasons. They're not to be used for your glory so that you can prove how spiritual that you are. Spiritual gifts are always to be used for the good of others, for the good of the body where Christ is placed. First of all, look with me in our reading in Romans chapter 12, and notice what it says here in verses 4 and 5 of our reading. He says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and all members having not, I'm sorry, all members, and everyone members one of another. The many members, with all their 
differing offices and gifts, he's saying to us very clearly that they're all one body in Christ, and therefore they're actually members one of another. The gifts are to be used for the good of the whole. In our reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it said in verse 7, and of course remember we're talking about that these gifts of the Holy Spirit, all of this is for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It's so that God can be seen, not so that we can be seen. He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man, which we've already talked about, to profit with all. Everyone is given a gift, but it's for the purpose that is to profit the whole. It couldn't be more clearly stated. Now, I'd like to look back into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We left off with verse 11 there, and I'd like to read beginning in verse 12, which says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink unto one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now I'm just going to make a statement here. I will touch on it a bit more in the sermon. And then just a bit further in this series, we'll be looking at it in much more detail because some may say, well, when we're reading this, is this not talking about the body of Christ universal, the whole body of Christ upon this earth? And I would say, well, application can certainly be made there. But folks, the only church that exists upon this earth right now, 
that is visible that this work can take place is the local body. That's where God works through. If he's working through something invisible, then how are, are we going to be the only thing that's visible in it? He works through the body. These truths apply to us as an individual local body of Christ, which is the way that Christ has chosen to accomplish his work here upon this earth. We see this truth brought out further as we look at the diversity of the gifts. But I want us to see here that we have a clear, clear mandate that the gifts of the Spirit, which is what we're talking about today, are distributed not for personal gain or glory, but for the good of the body in which God has placed you, for the good of the whole, that it might work effectively. If you are a believer, God the Holy Spirit has given you a spiritual gift. We've already looked at that in previous sermons. At least one, maybe more. It has been given to you according to the grace of God. Not because of who you are or what you've done or what you might do. This spiritual gift has just as assuredly been given to you to use for the good of the body. The first question we would maybe have to ask is, do you know what your spiritual gift is? Have you recognized what God has given you? Do you know what gift it is that you should be using, and are you using it in the body, or is it being wasted? You see, this is undoubtedly also a clear mandate, which we'll look at later, for the necessity of each of us to be a part of the body. Some would say that being a part of the universal body is enough, that we don't need more than that. I would challenge your thinking for a couple of reasons. I'm not going to go into detail now, but by the sheer definition of this term, invisible universal body, whatever that your thinking is on the matter, how can your gift, be used visibly if it's not being used in the visible body, if it's being done in an invisible body. If you yourself are visible within an invisible body, how can it bring glory to anyone except you if it's not the whole that's getting the glory for it? Because if it's part of this invisible body, you're the only thing that's being seen, you as an individual. But when it's done as a part of the whole, it's him that gets the glory. When it's being done together with each of us being our part and doing our part and using what God has given us to do, I hope and pray that every one of you sitting here today are part of that one true universal body of Christ because no matter how many churches by name that you belong to upon this earth, only those who are genuinely belong to Christ will make up that one body at his return. That is a body, a church, that is best described as at this point being in prospect. Why? Because it's not being called out yet. Every one of us are becoming part, but it will not be made visible until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ when everyone that is a part of that body will be called 
out of here in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. For now, he has given us the local body, the local church, a visible body where we see here that we're to serve him and we're to work together and we're to work together for the good of all, not just ourselves. Secondly, and probably of even more importance, I'd challenge you to show me even one example in Scripture of such a thing. The works of God in all of the New Testament, I could see them doing, being done in one of three ways. First of all, either through Jesus Christ himself. He came to accomplish his work. And you know, when Jesus got ready to leave here, he had chosen those men that we call apostles himself to carry on his work. He chose them. He gifted them with special gifts and signs to confirm both their authenticity and their authority as to, to who they were while he was even using them and others to give us his written preserved word that we have. Carrying on his work. And they were even, he says, the very foundation of the church, of his church, whom he gave himself for. So I see the work being accomplished through Jesus Christ. I see the work being accomplished through his apostles that he chose. And thirdly and only then, I see it being accomplished through his church that he left. A local, visible body of Christ. Believers that are covenanted together in a common faith and a common practice and a common cause to whom we see here. He has given his Holy Spirit. And via that Holy Spirit, he's given each one a gift of the Spirit. Why? As we've already established for the continuation of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ upon this earth, that his work might go on. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Yes, in everything that we do, our ultimate goal and, and, and aim should be to glorify God. The greatest way we can glorify God with our lives is allowing God to use us to win others to Christ. That's what Jesus came and died for. And we find the importance here of every part of that body and that body working together as a whole, that that work might be accomplished. Satan is attacked. How can you possibly use your spiritual gift for the body if you're not obedient and being committed to that body? Don't be fooled by another one of those teachings for which, quite honestly, folks, there is no biblical basis it is yet another example of teachings that originated not in the Bible, but in that group which we call Catholicism. <laughs> and it found its way through the Reformers during the Protestant Reformation. Thank God for those Reformers. Thank God for the truths that they came to realize. Thank God for those truths that they began to proclaim again that had been hidden away. But folks... Even then, everybody wasn't part of Catholicism. God had a remnant that was standing for the truth even then. And I like to think that's where my forefathers in the faith came from. The simple truth is, 
that when those reformers came out, they brought along a lot of the baggage of Catholicism with them, particularly in relation to the church and baptism and some of these things that we hold dear. We'll speak more on that later. But if we're to understand what we're talking about here today, to understand the truth concerning spiritual gifts and their distribution for the purpose of the body, then we must grasp these truths. They are distributed by God the Holy Spirit. They are distributed according to grace that is given. And they're distributed for the good of the body. Our only example in Scripture, a local visible body. Now I want us to move on thirdly to what we call this diversity of gifts. The diversity, we've defined them. We've looked at the distribution of how they're distributed. But there's a great diversity. And on this matter of the diversity of gifts, I want us to direct our attention to these, these two passages that we've looked at and read from here this morning concerning spiritual gifts. And of course, first of all, that there's a diversity of gifts that is given to the individual believer for the body as a whole. And that's where we want to focus today. Gifts that are given to you as an individual believer, but they are given to you as an individual believer for the good of the whole body. Now again, we have read our verses there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want us to look back there. Notice again at verse 4, he says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Now, if you remember when we first looked at this passage, I pointed out to you to note that all of the Godhead is active in the giving and the using of these spiritual gifts. Verse 4 says that though there are diversities, all these different gifts, there's only one Holy Spirit who we've seen as the giver of those gifts. Verse 5, he says there are differences of administrations of those gifts. The word ministrations here, most of you will probably recognize it, diakonia. Now guess what comes from diakonia? A diaconate, the deacons in our churches. Does that word sound familiar? Well, this word here is what a deacon does. It speaks of giving attendance as a servant. It speaks of aid, service, ministry. In other words, He's saying there's all kinds of different ways in which this diversity of gifts can be used. But there's only one Lord. There's lots of different gifts that have been given, but there's only one Holy Spirit that's given them. There's lots of different ways they can be used. One gift can be used in different ways. But there's only one Lord. His name is Jesus Christ. You see, it's He and only He that is the Lord of the believer's life that truly is sold out to Him. 
And therefore, it's he that should be governing our lives, that should be governing the use of those gifts that are being used to serve the body. His body, by the way, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Then he goes on in verse 6, he says, there are also diversities of operations. So we see that there's lots of different gifts that are given by one Holy Spirit. There's lots of different ways they can be used to serve others. But there's only one Lord that should be master over all of it. And now he says there are also diversities of operations. Now again, this word in its original, you could probably won't have to guess too hard to figure out where it comes from in Ergima. It's where we get our word energy, energetic. You can trace it right back to uh, the word that actually speaks here of the effect that energy has on something. That's what it's talking about. You know, when, when something is there and when it is energized, it's going to have some kind of a result, some kind of an effect. Of course, all the gifts that are given to us by the Spirit, they can also only be energized by the Spirit. It's only Him that can empower us to be able to use them if they're going to be effective. Although there's different operations, different workings, different activities, different effects that these spiritual gifts might have. He says it's still the one God that is doing the work. You see, he's sovereign. He's in control of it all. And with all of these differences, there's only one of him. We could say that there is a great diversity in the workings of these gifts, but the one God that is doing the work. There's great differences in the way that work takes place, but it's only him that can do that work. It's only him that can put forth that energy, that can have that effect that it needs to have. And he goes on in verse 7, remembering that spiritual gifts are for the manifestation of the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit can be seen in your life. It's the Spirit that needs to be seen working through our lives because then, and only then, will Christ be seen. Only then will Christ's work be accomplished, which is why he said he was sending us the Holy Spirit in the first place. We've already established that from Scripture. He was sending us the Spirit when he left so that his work could be carried on through us, through the body. We've seen that at least... One of these spiritual gifts are given to each individual believer so that the whole body can profit from it. Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time here. What I want you to grasp here, and as a believer, if you begin to grasp just what God is doing and what He wants to do through you and what He wants to do through this church, He gives us a list here. He talks about all these differences. And he begins, and he tells us in verse 8, for to one is given by the Spirit, 
the word of wisdom. So to one individual within that body, he gives a spiritual gift of wisdom, which, folks, wisdom is the ability to be able to apply all these spiritual truths. You know, you can know a lot of things, but be unwise about using them. God's going to, through the Holy Spirit, gift certain individuals with this word of wisdom to be able to, to have that special insight, to know how God's truths need to be applied to our lives. He goes on, he says, to another, notice he said, to one, then he says, to another. And I'm not going to say it every time, but if you look down in front of every one of these gifts that he mentions, he says, to another, to another, to another. He's got the picture of the whole body here. And so to one, he's going to give this word of wisdom. And then to another, he's going to give this gift of knowledge. You know, knowledge is different. It's the, the ability to, to understand the meaning of God's truths, including sometimes revelatory things that can only come through him giving us that insight. So he's going to give some wisdom and some knowledge. And then in verse 9, he goes on to say that he's going to give some faith. He's not talking about saving faith here because every believer already has that if he's saved. But the ability to have that special trust in God, just without doubt, regardless of what the circumstances say, to have that gift of faith that will most times show itself through fervent prayer because they believe God can do anything. So within the body, there are those with wisdom and knowledge and faith. Also in verse 9, the gift of healing. The gift to have the ability to heal the sick. In verse 10, the gift of miracles. The, the ability to perform works of God that are, that are not natural. That in fact go completely contrary to nature sometimes. There's no explanation other than the hand of God, the power of God. Also in verse 10, he says he gives to others this gift of prophecy. Now that's a very confusing sometimes, and we're going to come back and we're going to look at some other things about a number of these. But the gift of prophecy, really it's the gift to foretell. The word really means to, to speak forth, to publicly proclaim something. If you look into the Old Testament, there are three words that we find there that refer to the prophet. They're not always translated prophet. Sometimes they're translated watchman. Or sometimes they're translated the same word as translated shepherd, where we get our word pastor. Though these Old Testament prophets were used sometimes to foretell future events, even to pin those things down for others to know. You know what most of their time was spent doing? Preaching the truths that God had already given. Proclaiming and reproclaiming God's message that was already revealed. As a prophet, they were God's spokesman. They were there proclaiming that. We find that in the New Testament, it carries the idea of one who speaks for another. Particularly, of course, in Scripture, one who speaks for God. 
Literally, it could be an inspired speaker. The prophet is speaking on God's behalf. Note right here in 1 Corinthians, just turn over a page in your Bibles to chapter 14. Notice how God defines in chapter 14, verse 3, he says, but he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. That's what prophecy is supposed to be accomplishing. He's speaking unto men for God, for their edification, for their exhortation, and for their comfort. How important is it? We've already pointed out in, in, in previous message. In, in verse 1, there, follow after charity, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. In verse 39 of that same chapter, wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. We've talked about the importance, the place that God's Word must have in all of this. And that's why prophecy is so important because it's that inspirational proclaiming forth of God's Word. We find that even though prophecy certainly could and did sometimes include the revelation of new and untold mysteries of many of the future events that we can look at today and know what's going to take place, it's more common use in the Scriptures is that of preaching and being a spokesman for God. And certainly, since the completion of the canon of Scripture, that's the usage of that gift today in forthtelling God's Word on God's behalf. But he also says in verse 10 here that there's another. He says, discerning of spirits. To another, discerning of spirits. Discernment. In other words, what's it mean to discern something? It's the ability to distinguish between truth and error. To discern what is genuine, what's false, what's counterfeit. To know what is of God and what is of satanic deception. This pertains to God's Word as well as God's work. How important is the gift of discernment to the body? Well, John said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. They've gone out into the world. How important is it in our day? How much false teaching is there out there? How much error is there out there? How much counterfeit is there out there of that which is real with God? So much. But listen, we're seeing here that as a body, God has promised that in the body, that he's going to give these spiritual gifts. And he's going to give one to one person and something to another and something to another and something to another. These are the things. These are those gifts that should be working amongst us as a church. 
so that we don't have to worry about these things. He goes on in verse 10. And he also says there, he says to another, diverse kinds of tongues. Tongues. The ability to be able to speak. The word tongues is literally the word that's translated as, as languages. The ability to speak another language. Most probably a language that you haven't gone to school to learn. Not a language that you've not learned in a natural way, though I believe that God can certainly teach a person a foreign language when some people aren't very teachable <laughs> through normal channels. But most often here we're talking about a language that God has given somebody the ability to communicate. We saw it take place in Acts chapter 2, and we saw that even there that it was told that this was the fulfillment of prophecy from, from Joel back in the Old Testament. Of course, if you look and study that out, you find that the prophecy of the coming of those languages was a sign of judgment and cursing upon the nation of Israel for their disbelief. It wasn't a good thing for them. It was so that they could understand their mistakes and their errors. He also says in that same verse that to another, the interpretation of those tongues, of those languages, the ability to understand, to translate that language that was being spoken so that the hearers might be able to actually understand and be edified by it. Matter of fact, as we go on, it was a gift that was required to be present. If the gift of tongues was to be used, then the gift of interpretation had to be present as well. Now, if you move down to verse 28, the verse begins there. Notice he says, And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now, some of those apostles, prophets, teachers, some of the gifts have already been mentioned, some which we've already dealt with, the miracles, the healings, the tongues. But he names a couple of others here too, the gift of helps he mentions. The gift of helps, sometimes the most unnoticed gift in the church probably. The ability to just serve and help others it's the kind of gift that most often, Brother Steve, is exercised in the background, and nobody ever actually really sees it going on. No one else, because they're not doing it for a pat on the back. They're not doing it for show. They're genuinely doing it to help others. The gift of what's called here governments. The ability, the word carries with the ability to govern, to lead, to administrate. Matter of fact, the word here in the Greek literally means to steer or pilot something, like to, to pilot a ship so that it goes in the right direction, to direct it. So figuratively, it speaks of directorship or the, or the government in the church. The church needs leadership as well. That's 11 different spiritual gifts that are listed to us in this chapter here. That's a pretty good show of diversity that he's, that he's talking about. Is that all of the gifts? We'll take a look at our other passage in Romans chapter 12. You find here that, of course, in verse 6, 
He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. We've already discussed prophecy before. That gift is mentioned again here. Notice in verse 7, or ministry. Let us wait on our ministry. Ministry. Diakonia. Oh, have we heard that word before? <laughs> Same word. Same word that, that's translated here that we looked at back in verse 5. Again, the ability to serve others. Very closely related to the gift of helps that we talked about back in verse 28 of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. But it's that ability to minister to others, to serve others. He also says in verse 7, for he that teacheth on teaching. The ability just to teach and explain God's truths clearly so that others can understand it. Now, if a pastor is going to be effective, he's got to have at least the gift of teaching and the gift of prophecy. Teaching and preaching oftentimes may be the same in content, but they're different in style. They're different in delivery. Most of all, they're different in the demand upon those that are hearing. You see, teaching is that gift to be able to clearly explain the truths. While prophecy and preaching will go further and demand a response from those truths in your life. God's prophets demanded the people to respond to the truths that were being given. And that's the same with the preaching in the New Testament. It demands a response, not just to know the facts. An effective pastor's got to be able to do both, but see, others in the church can have those gifts besides just the pastor. He goes on in verse 8, he says, For he that exhorteth, on exhortation. Have you ever known anybody with the gift of exhortation? Boy, they are glorious people to be around, let me tell you. <laughs> Matter of fact, I can remember back, not just growing up, but even in my young ministry days, I can remember a lot of the camp meetings where a lot of the churches used to come together. There used to be those up there that had the gift of exhortation. The gift of exhortation. What's somebody do with the gift of exhortation? Well, again, you might just recognize this word that's translated exhortation here, parakaleo. Guess what's that? Do you remember something else that has that similar sound to it, like the one that maybe comes alongside us called the Holy Spirit? The meaning is the call near as to uh, invite or to invoke someone to come near, to come alongside you. You see, this gift is the, that ability to be able to effectively call others alongside, to obey and follow God's Word. It might be to correct or to encourage, to counsel, to comfort, to strengthen those fellow believers. You see, those with the gift of exhortation, they have a way of, of just lifting you up when you're right down in the dumps but they also have a way of calling your attention to something when it's something that's keeping you away from God. They're there to exhort you, to bring you closer. 
That's what they do. And what a glorious gift to have in the body. Find that he also says in verse 8, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Some people just have this gift of giving, the ability to be able to, to share, to give, to provide, many times sacrificially, both with their substance and of their own, their own selves, all to meet the need of someone else, to meet others' needs. And doing it with simplicity, without the need of any recognition whatsoever. It doesn't matter if anybody knows that you've given to that person. It flows, really, from the ability this person's got to be able to not just commit themselves, but everything they are and everything they have into the Lord's hands. All their earthly possessions, without reservation, the Lord's got them lock, stock, and barrel. Therefore, they have this special ability to see others' needs and to do what's necessary to meet those needs. Verse 8 also says, He that ruleth with diligence literally means to, to stand before. As in, a, as in rank in the military, when you preside over someone, you stand before them to be over them, to rule them. The word's used in the New Testament only to describe two things. <laughs> leadership in the home and leadership in the church. It's that gift of being able to take responsibility and lead properly in the home and in the church. And, of course, he also says in verse 8, He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. The ability to show mercy. To have and show compassion by, yes, your words, what you say, as well as your deeds and what you do. It's something that is done with divine grace that God gives. To be sensitive to the sufferings and sorrows of others. To have the kind of compassion for other people that the Lord Jesus Christ himself had. I jotted this down in my notes. I don't even know where I got it from. It's been said that it's to manifest the love of Christ in acts of kindness to those who need it. Simple. Simple. It's feeling about other people the way Christ feels about them. To show that compassion and mercy that he shows. So, you see, we've got quite a diversity of gifts here. We've got 11 different gifts that are given to us in 1 Corinthians 12. We've got seven more here, though one of the prophecies being listed again. So we've got 11 and 6. That's, that's 17 different spiritual gifts that the Word of God specifically names as gifts that are given to individual believers, just like you, just like everybody seated here this morning, but they're given for the good of the body as a whole so that these gifts are being used for everyone's benefit, not just for yours, but so that as a body, as a church, 
that we can function in all of these areas because one person won't be able to do it. He gave us that very almost silly but graphic illustration. You know, if everybody, if, it, if we were just all one big eyeball, how would we hear anything? Or if we were just one great big ear, how would we smell anything? You know, God uses sometimes the obvious things to try to help us not to miss the point. We're a body united together. These spiritual gifts should excite us when we recognize just what God can and will do in our midst. And He has given these gifts. You do possess a gift. It doesn't matter what anybody else has got. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing with their gift. My challenge to you this morning as I try to speak forth God's Word for Him is what is your gift and are you using it as He meant for it to be used not just for your benefit but for the benefit of the body if the body's going to be effective, everybody. It doesn't mean you've got just one. Some people have got a combination of different gifts. But the truth is, as we look at these, and I've got to say this, 17, that's a diversity. Is that all of them? I say I think not. I think not. Why? Because my Bible tells me that nothing is impossible with God. My Bible tells me that God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory. These are just some illustrations that ought to excite us, that ought to get us to realize and understand, wow, those are pretty tremendous things to be able to do. Not because I have the ability or have learned it from some book, but because of God, the Holy Spirit, by His grace, gifting me in these areas so that as a body I'm using that gift so that this whole body can be strong. Is this local body having to operate as a cripple today because of you? Maybe they can't hear well because you're one of the ears. Maybe they can't see well because you're one of the eyes and it's just not being used. Maybe you're a foot or a hand or whatever. You know, if I gave you a choice right now just to chop off one part of your body, what would it be? Maybe a big toe, a little toe? You'd be surprised when you even take off a toe. You won't be able to walk the same. You've got to relearn it. What part would you want to give up? What part is the body of Christ that he set here at Bethel Free Baptist Church? We're just one, but we are a body of Christ, of people that have committed themselves together with a common faith, with a common cause. But is this body functioning as it should? You see, the real question today is not just, do I know these things? Am I functioning? But also, am I functioning within the body? Am I doing what God has placed me as an individual here to do? 
Because these spiritual gifts are gifts that have been given to the individual, but they've been given for the good of the whole. You know what? Jesus Christ is coming back. <laughs> and I believe that it's going to be very, very soon. But until his return, until that trumpet sounds, folks, I'm not saying this to be mean. Matter of fact, I challenge you and I encourage you. If anything that I've said here is not clearly what we see in Scripture, you come to me. You show me. Because I'm trying as simple as I look, this is what the Bible says. How do we put it together? You know, we need the knowledge and we need the wisdom. This is what I clearly see being presented to us. And until the Lord Jesus Christ returns, there is a work that needs to be done on this earth, and it's the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it, be, it needs to be done for the glory of God and His glory alone. And the only way that you're going to be able to fulfill your part is to do it through the body, not as a, a lone ranger out there with all the best intentions. You can't be all of those things. It's vital that we work together. Spiritual gifts are a glorious gift that have been given to you. Some gift or gifts you have, but you have them in order to use them for the body of Christ. Now, we're going to leave it there this morning. And I want to leave you with two things, hopefully a little bit of excitement about, wow, look what God could really do. What, is God, what does God want me to do? What is it? What is my part so that this body can function as effectively as it possibly can? I mean, just look. I mean, boy, if all those things were working what could God be doing in our midst? Whatever he wants to do, if we let him, nothing is beyond him. We are the limitation, not God. Are you limiting the work of God today? You see, on the one hand, I want you to get excited. But on the other hand, I want to challenge you today. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? And if you do, if first of all, if you don't, you need to get on your face before God and find out what it is. But if you do, are you using it for God? He's given the, that individual gift to you, but it's for the good of the whole. But God willing, next time, not next Sunday, but when we come back to it, I guess the following week, there are also some gifts that he's given not to the individual for the use of the body as a whole, but there's also gifts that he's given to the body for the individual believer and the body as a whole. And we'll look at some of those things as well. Father, we thank you so much this morning. Lord, I know that in reading these things and being reminded of, Lord, just what you will accomplish through us, Lord, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of those that are hearing these words this morning, not as the words of man, but as the words that you've given us in your word. I pray, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage this local body here, Lord, 
to recognize and to grasp the great work that you'll do amongst us. If as individuals we'll concentrate on what we can do for the whole, for the body of Christ, rather than what I can do for me. If we can worry about your glory shining forth rather than my glory. Father, in all of these things, we desire that you would be glorified and honored. But Father, also, if there are those here this morning that maybe you've spoken to because, Lord, they know that they're born again. But maybe they don't know, they've never even tried to find out what spiritual gift you've given them. If they do or don't, they've, they've, they've never committed to use it effectively within the body where you've shown us to use it. This visible body that can visibly show forth Christ to this world. Lord, I pray that you would make us what you would want us, that you would place those within this body, Lord, with the gifts that are needed, that we might be effective, that your work can be accomplished for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Amen.